As a preface, when my wife and I first moved into our new town home, we were surprised to find someone already living across from us. We had been told that we were the very first to move into this newly developed community. And for sale signs still stood in front of each and every home, but ours and the one directly across from us. Now, the neighbor himself was nice enough. He was a curious man, perhaps mid-forties, with some receding hair and a cleanly shaven face. He dressed in two size too large collared shirts and dress pants that, frankly, were so heavily starched they seemed to always hang around his thin frame. There were other small oddities about him aside from his clothing, but when we first met him, I was just relieved enough to have a friendly, albeit talkative first neighbor. We met him on our first day at the new home. While I unloaded the boxes from the small rental truck, and my wife moved everything where it needed to be once inside. We had moved from a smaller apartment complex, and since we didn't have much to pack, the move was thankfully easy enough for just the two of us to handle on our own. The neighbor made his first appearance towards the end of the day when I was unloading the last of the boxes onto the driveway. I had stopped to take a break and heard the door across the street close. I looked over to see our new neighbor waving as he walked over to talk to me. He made a friendly first impression. We talked a little bit about the neighborhood and the construction. Soon, my wife came over to meet him as well. He introduced himself as Andrew and told us he had just moved in as well and was glad to already have neighbors. We spent the most part of the conversation answering questions about ourselves, where we had lived, our jobs, if we had family in the area. I should mention that to me, this was rather casually brought up and the conversation was quite normal. Since the sun was about ready to set and we still had boxes to move, I mentioned as much to him, and we parted in a friendly way. As soon as he was gone, my wife started remarking on how strange she thought he was. To be frank, she's always been the overly careful type, to the point where I'm the only one who ever answers the door. And so with this well in mind, I listened as she listed off things that struck her as a little bit strange. She noted he consistently used the word neighbor, which admittedly he did. She remarked on his clothing and the way he asked so many questions and that he seemed to not have a car, which was true. His one car driveway was empty and I couldn't see another car parked anywhere nearby. She also mentioned how he seemed to hesitate and think for a moment before he gave us his name. If this had happened, 
I couldn't recall it, and I chalked it up to her usual suspicious attitude. I reassured her that even if he was a little bit odd, he was friendly and seemed rather harmless. And he was also our first and only neighbor. So I don't think we mentioned Andrew again, and we just continued to unpack. We returned the truck after dark, and upon arriving home, we went promptly to bed in our sparsely furnished new home. Neither of us worked that next day, and we made another early start unpacking. We ended up finishing before noon, and we made plans to go shopping for necessities such as trash bags and cleaning supplies when there was a knock on the door. Andrew greeted us with his same friendly smile and handed us a simple store-bought sheet cake as a housewarming gift. We invited him in and had a rather pleasant talk. This time, I did notice his questions. He was like a child in his curiosity regarding every little thing in our home. And while at first we happily entertained him while sharing a slice of his cake, soon it had turned into more of a home tour. Everything was a wonder to him. Every knick-knack item and book on our shelves was worthy of praise to him my wife obviously annoyed soon pulled me aside and made it clear that it was time for andrew to be on his way so after some more small pleasantries i sent andrew away claiming we still had more packing to do refused his help And he left with a smile. I'll admit that while our neighbor was certainly a bit off, it appeared to me that he was in fact trying his best to be a nice neighbor. And I reasoned this with my wife. She made a fair argument to say that he was creepy. And while I could see her point of view... I still found no real reason to dislike him. The next day, however, I began to see things from her side. Andrew showed up at noon, bearing another store-bought sheet cake and a pleasant smile. As awkward as this moment was, and much to the dismay of my wife, I invited him inside again. This time... I served some of his prior day's cake. I made sure to impress upon our good neighbor that I had some errands to do. This ended up being a tedious mistake as Andrew was eager to know of my errands, offering to lend me any tools or items I might need and so on. Eventually, I had to wonder if this over-the-top display of constant helpfulness and interest was some sort of elaborate prank or hazing, but seeing the genuine smile on Andrew's face and his keen interest in my plan to buy milk, it seemed wrongingly worrying, but genuine. My wife 
had made some manner of excuse to leave us, and I began to ask Andrew some questions about himself. I say try, because I rarely got a clear answer. With each question, his smile would give the briefest flicker as he paused for but a moment before giving his answer. I soon gave up on this fruitless effort, and the remainder of his visit was spent on answering questions about everything from our kitchen appliances to our extended family. When I saw Andrew out with some gentle verbal prodding, I was ready to admit it. Andrew came off as creepy, or at the very least, annoying. Reflecting on this though, I realized perhaps he didn't have much luck with friends and his keen interest in us was likely a result in what he saw as an opportunity for genuine friendship or neighborly companionship. When we went to bed, my wife spoke plainly what was on both of our minds, that if Andrew showed up again with another cake tomorrow, he was not to be invited in. Sure enough, at noon, Andrew arrived with an identical store-bought sheet cake and that same smile. This time, I met him outside and explained to him politely as I could that we were well stocked up on cake and that he didn't need to bring a gift to us each and every day or at all. I also explained while we were quite tired and unable to have him over every day. I expected this to upset him, but he took it in stride, politely nodding and smiling. He told me he understood and we spoke outside for a while about random things. The one thing we disagreed upon was the eventual moving in of other neighbors. This topic seemed to dampen his mood just the slightest bit. He seemed convinced that no one, or at least very few people, would be interested in moving into the homes nearby. When pressed, he cited strange reasons such as the soil quality for our small lawns or the way the sun would hit the windows and so on. I did not press him on this matter, but eventually I dragged the endless conversation to a close. I realized he was perfectly happy to simply stand there outside with me, smiling all the while. I made an excuse about checking up on the wife and mentioned in what I hope was not a very subtle hint that if I saw him outside in the future, I'd be sure to say hello. That night, when my wife was complaining about our neighbor, I joined her in her venting. While he seemed nice and well-meaning, he was exhausting to be around. She did mention that we both would be going to work tomorrow. And so, there was no worries of Andrew's noontime visit. And I believe I slept better with that thought in my head. 
When my wife left for work at 6 a.m., the noise woke me and I began a slow and easy morning, enjoying my coffee and the openness of the new home before I had to leave for work at 8 a.m. Eventually, when I did leave, I was greeted by none other than our neighbor Andrew, outside of his home, seemingly wandering about his driveway with a cup of coffee. He noticed me and immediately gave me a hearty wave and a smile, and made his way across the street to me. Internally I groaned, but outwardly I put on the best smile I could and we talked briefly before I mentioned that I was on my way to work. He wished me a good day and a smile, went back to his driveway and waved and watched me drive off. I watched him in my rearview mirror and even when I was way down the main road, I saw him faintly in the distance at the corner near his house watching. That was unnerving. Work went fine, but as it ended, I began to dread the trip home. Sure enough, when I pulled into my driveway, Andrew waved and made his way towards me, but I stopped him with a brief and not as polite explanation that I was too tired to talk today and went inside. When my wife arrived home, I noticed from the window that she simply ignored him and came inside. She immediately explained how our dear neighbor Andrew was outside at 6 a.m. in his crisp clothes, enjoying a cup of coffee in the pre-sunrise gloom. She told me that she was done being polite with him, and we agreed to set boundaries. Perhaps Andrew understood from my wife's actions alone, but he no longer bothered her. Instead, he redoubled his efforts to me. Though thankfully, after a few days of using exhaustion as an excuse, he only talked to me in the mornings or when I was out of the house. Understand that until this point, while Andrew was definitely creepy and certainly annoying, I still did not share my wife's hatred for him. This changed one morning, perhaps a week and a half after we had moved in. Andrew had mentioned to me in our brief morning chat how he had seen a stray cat in the neighborhood. I noted I had seen it as well, a feral orange-looking tabby. I jokingly said that hopefully it wouldn't be around for too long as my wife was allergic and for the first time since I had met him, I saw Andrew's smile vanish from his face. Instead, he was utterly shocked. He asked me how severe her allergies were and how they affected her. He acted as though I had revealed my wife had some sort of fatal disease. I assured him that she was fine and that there was no need for alarm. But 
when I left for work shortly after, I could see he was still upset. The rest of the day passed normally, but the next morning, I was roughly shaken awake by my wife just before 6 a.m. There's a dead cat on our doorstep, she said. I got up and followed her, and even in my tired, groggy state, I made the connection to Andrew. When she opened the door to show me, sure enough, there was a feral tabby evenly laid on our front doorstep, its neck twisted at an unnatural angle. I think she realized the cause before I had explained it to her, but I went over the conversation I had with Andrew in the morning before, and she was furious. She swore to call the police on him, told me we would get a restraining order, and went on about how she had always known he was deranged. It was all I could do to get her into the car and off to work before she was late. As carefully as I could, and with a heavy conscience, I placed the dead cat in a garbage bag and gently laid it in our outdoor garbage can. I spent the rest of the morning anticipating how I would speak to Andrew when I saw him, and I went outside a few minutes early to meet him. He hadn't been outside, but he came out immediately after I moved to go down our front steps. It was almost surreal seeing him gingerly walk across the street, cup in hand, with a big smile on his face. Before he reached my side of the street, I said it. You killed the cat. He beamed at me. The smile got wider, and the pride appeared plainly on his face. I was stunned. He truly thought he had done a good deed. It was nauseating. I had been kind and polite and patient with this man. But no longer. I was angry, and I told him that this was unacceptable, that it was wrong and sick to kill a poor animal like that. I told him to stay away from us and our home and to get help. Andrew was struck as stone, still in the street, mouth agape, and he just stared at me. Furious as I was, I watched him unsure of how he'd react, but too angry to care. His shock soon turned to concern. He seemed hurt. Then panic seemed to creep up his face. His eyes widened, and when he did speak, it was almost a whisper. Oh no, he said, and took a step towards me. She didn't touch it, did she? I hadn't thought of that, and I left it right on the doorstep. He came to me and dropped his muck. It tumbled onto the grass, spilling cold coffee. He took my hand in his, his lanky frame bending before me, 
making him seem smaller, honest and true pleading in his watering eyes. I'm so, so sorry. I did not realize. Please, if there's anything I can do. I snapped my hand out of his grasp. I was shocked. He truly didn't grasp killing the cat as a bad thing he had done. The entire situation was beyond him. You're sick, I said. Stay away from us. I turned from him and went back into the house. When I left a few minutes later for work, his cup was gone. There was no trace of him. His house remained dark and unlit as always. He had made no further appearances that afternoon either. My wife was overjoyed, and I'll admit, I was a bit relieved. At times, I did feel bad for how I snapped at him, but those feelings instantly vanished when I remembered the poor cat, cold on our doorstep that morning. I was glad to have him out of our lives. For a week, we saw no sign of him, but occasionally I would see the window blinds faintly shift when I went outside, and I was sure he was still there, watching us. Luckily, the for sale signs that had been taken down from nearby homes, and we at least expected to get some other new neighbors very soon. I felt a bit bad for thinking about it, but perhaps having other neighbors would help to draw his attention from us. Perhaps a week later, with still no sign of Andrew, I noticed the books on my downstairs bookshelf had been rearranged. They were in no particular order before, but now they went from smallest to largest for some reason. When I asked my wife about this, she said she hadn't done it and actually thought I had. When we realized neither of us was joking, she immediately blamed Andrew. I don't know how he got in here, she said, but it had to be him. I'll admit, part of me thought the same thing, but in an effort to comfort her and myself, I pointed out how we had changed the locks on the doors and how the windows were always locked and there was no sense in someone coming in to rearrange my books, etc. We talked about it at length and we both calmed down, but we resolved to order a security camera and change the locks once more. The following few days, we began to notice other small things around the house. And I'll admit, we started to jump at shadows. The day after the books, I noticed that our front door no longer creaked. My wife said she smelled disinfectant when she came into the home. As embarrassing as it is, since I left for work last and came into the house first, 
I began to stick a very small piece of paper near the bottom of the doorway so that if someone did come in, it would fall unnoticed to the ground. There were other small things, a chair being slightly moved or our wall clock no longer being a minute slow. But the biggest thing was our bedroom attic. On the third floor in our bedroom, above the small gap between our bed and my wife's dresser, was a flat panel that lowered and led into the attic's crawlspace. I had briefly looked around up there a bit when we had first moved in. Simply poking my head in and noting the dust, insulation, and nothingness before closing it back up. We stored nothing in there, which was the reason my wife noticed that it was just ever so slightly askew. It's worth mentioning that she noticed this at night when we were both lying in bed, and neither of us felt very motivated to go try and close it. But to make her feel better, I did awkwardly stand on a box full of clothes and tried to close it, but it seemed to be stuck, just hanging open barely a centimeter. I told her I would try and fix it tomorrow and we went to bed. It had been another thing on a long list of oddities that afflicted us, and the terror had waned. The two of us treated Andrew like a ghost almost, using him as a curse when something had fallen or spilled. The next day, the security camera arrived in the morning and my wife nudged me awake, handed me the box with clear instructions that they should be set up today. Off to work she went and so blearily I unboxed the camera, finding it was actually four rather small, rather complex cameras. I spent most of my morning mulling over the instruction manual, installing the camera's app on my phone and after rummaging up batteries, I placed them around the house to test them out. I placed one in the bedroom on our bed frame at the head of the bed, looking in towards the room. One went on the stairwell in the front second floor archway. Another in the kitchen facing out towards the front doorway. The last one I placed outside precariously balanced on a light just above our front door. I made a mental note to affix it properly later, but I was nearly late for work and so I left. When I arrived home, I had completely forgotten about the cameras until I noticed that the one I had placed above our front door had fallen into the mulch. I attributed it to the wind and my mind was at ease when I unlocked the front door and saw my piece of paper gently fall to the floor. It had been undisturbed. No one had entered our home. I went up to the bedroom and as I changed out of my work clothes, I noticed that the attic crawl space panel was still slightly ajar. I resolved myself to go get a stepladder from downstairs and fix it, but as I sat on the bed, 
the full weight of the past week really washed over me. I was mentally exhausted. We had become so consumed by the constant worry of Andrew that we were wrecked by anxiety. Every day turned into a spot the flaw in our home. What had changed today? What was wrong today? Was our neighbor peeking in through our blinds at every waking moment? I felt like a fool. Even that very morning, I had stumbled around in the dark, placing cameras, wedging paper in my doorway like a madman. And for what? To catch someone who had no way of getting into our home? Someone who I hadn't heard from, who hadn't bothered us for about a week. I sat there for quite some time, and looking at the camera on my bed frame, I resolved to put my mind at ease. I took out my phone and began watching the day's recordings on the app, starting from when I placed the camera over our door. At first, there was nothing. I watched myself as I got in my car and left, and then fast-forwarded slightly, resolved to see something. I eventually did see Andrew step out of his house. He was still dressed in his prim, too large starch clothes. The familiar big smile on his face as he seemed to greet the new day. I watched as he paced his yard for a bit, examining things only known to him. And eventually, he went to the yard next door. Again, he paced the driveway there, looking and seemingly making mental notes of things. He went up and tried the doorknob and, seeing it locked, nodded and walked to the next house in line. Eventually, he went out of view of the camera. After some fast-forwarding, I saw him come back around the other way, inspecting every house and testing it to see if they were locked. Then, he simply went back into his home. I watched the camera as it kept recording the midday scene. Nothing of note, no cars passing by, and I once again reflected on Andrew killing the cat. How misguided he was, how very strange and odd he became. Still, I watched again skipping ahead, and eventually he emerged from his home once more. Same clothes, same grin. This time, something was in his hand. He locked his door and, to my horror, headed straight to our doorstep. He didn't notice the camera. He didn't hesitate or glance around. He simply walked up to our door under the camera and remained out of the view of my camera for a minute or two. Eventually, I saw the camera shake and fall, and I realized it was from the door slamming shut. consider subscribing and if you're already subscribed feel free to share and comment
trust me, it helps. You might not think that commenting and reviewing on these podcasts actually do anything more than make us feel special, but it gives us the ability to bring you better quality, or at the very least, try to give you what you do want. So, please, feel free to do so. Anyway, guys, thank you much, and until next time, take care.